0: Again, allegedly a contract was put on him and a guy took it up and stabbed him to death in the unit. After that, I suppose when I got my throat cut, that uh, we took him back. Then within 20 minutes, I felt someone grab me from behind and he had the old toothbrush with the razor blade melted in it and just slipped my throat from there across. In the early days in North, we used to find guys you'd actually see the imprints of shoes on their head, you know, they'd be stomped. And and he actually said to me, he said, I'll never fucking come back to jail, you know. So even though it was awful, he learned a good lesson. But people have no idea about how savage it is in their
1: day. Yo, it's your boy King Dave here, and this is the Fallen Show. I hope all is going well. Uh, how about you introduce yourself, man? What you used to do for a living?
0: Yeah, my name's Paul O'Sullivan. Uh, my history is I worked at the uh, Maximum Security Prison at Port Phillip for 20 years from 1999 to 2019.
1: 20 um, years. Met
0: David there. Yeah. Had a lot of guys there. So, Um, Yeah, that's pretty
1: much it. Yep, that's where me and Paul here met. So, um, of the years that I spent incarcerated in Melbourne, there the large majority of it I spent um, at Port Phillip Prison. There, Uh, I met Paul here originally in uh, Charlotte Unit, so that's solitary confinement. So, and that's where that's the bowels of the prison, I guess you could say. So, that's where me and Paul met, and uh, over the years, you know. you know, let it be known though, you know, I wasn't a big fan of uh, correctional officers, Um, you know, over the years I had assaulted a few bloody thrown piss at them, food, all sorts of stuff like that but no, me and Paul here were actually all right. so I'm yeah, so poor man, uh, thank you for jumping on man, really appreciate this to be honest. Um, No, anytime David, I um,
0: you're a good man and I could see I could see that in you, you know, and um, it's good to see you moving ahead with your life.
1: Thank you, Paul, thank you. Uh, so um, how about you start us off, man? So so, when did, so you started working in 1999, was it? Yeah. So what sort of led to that?
0: Just the conditions, you know, I never had any dreams of doing that as a job, but they gave you eight weeks annual leave, 10 weeks sick leave, you know, and it was good pay. So for me in those days, like a job, it was all about what benefits you got. And I liked them. So I did it, you know, and and it was the best thing I ever did. Like uh, the 20 years there were, were good. You know, you meet so many different people from all walks of life. Um, It opens your eyes to a lot of things. You, you do like, you learn so much about people. So yeah, it was a good job for me.
1: Um, so how was it when you did sort of start there?
0: Oh, it was intimidating. You know, when you start the first time they take you into the jail, all the blokes line up on the fences, just start throwing, you know, abuse at you, insults. Some of them are pretty clever. Like, you know, you're going through and there's a whole bunch of you in the white shirts and gray pants and. It's just open-slaver, like guys are just trying to outdo each other with the best insults. And like I said, some of them are good. You know, you get used to being called a maggot, a dog. Um, So when they come up with something different, it's pretty good. But but then after a while, it's like any job, Dave, it just becomes a job. And, you know, as you get to know the guys, the insults get less. Uh, You still get them. Like if you do a 12-hour day and you haven't been insulted once, you haven't done your job, but (laughs) most guys are good guys. You know, like you, you talk to them about footy, the boxing, you know, the mixed martial arts, anything. And
1: How did it change, man? You know, coming from, you know, back in 1999, um, you know, there would have been a lot of hard guys, um, in the system at that time, the whole Melbourne underbelly scene, you know, so, um, how did that change over the years, man?
0: It was taboo to be seen talking to the screws in those days, uh, we used to warn the guys, like, if you know, they come in, they didn't know anyone, and they'd talk to you, ask you questions. And you'd have to tell them, look, you shouldn't stay here because, you know, all the other guys don't like it. They don't know what you're saying. In the early days, most of the guys, like, there was uh, their own social standing. The bank robbers were high up on the pecking order, you know, because that was... Uh, seen as, you know, what the hard guys did and everything else sort of came in underneath that. So if a guy come in and he was a bank robber, he got a lot of respect um, off the other prisoners and that. And it, it just changed, you know, and to, to this day, when I left, it was more of the, the different nationalities and the gangs and the, the old days of, you know, a guy coming in, he's just a hard guy. have gone, you know, you've got to hook up with someone. So uh, that causes a lot of trouble, you know, because then you've got to keep people separate, which I think is probably the hardest thing, you know, trying to keep, you know, all these guys that have got blues with each other apart. That, that's just, well, it's impossible. As you know, like visits is meant to be off limits for guys to play up, but you're still mixing guys who absolutely want to get at each other. So, you know, sometimes in the back of visits where the guys get changed, they, it'd, it'd go off. But uh, most of them respected the visits as, no, we don't do it there. But anywhere else was just open slather. You know, like if they saw someone they wanted to get him, they just get him and it was
1: on. So for those that don't know, yeah, so again, so Port Phillip Prison is um, maximum security there in Melbourne in Victoria. Um, the largest prison in the state Um By all means, the the shittest prison in the state as well. You know, the shittest food, shittest sort of uh, movements, you know. um, So that was the place for the fuck-ups, really. So that's where I spent most of my time again, uh, incarcerated in Melbourne. um, Also known as the place with the most drugs, (laughs) um, usually. um, You know, most sort of politics going on. um.
0: Uh, I thought Port Phillip was okay. I know all the crooks used to call it Port Putrid. Which I found funny, but
1: um, I knew the meals weren't
0: much good because I, you know, we dish them up in Charlotte, and you honestly you wouldn't dish it to anyone,
1: yeah. No, you wouldn't, you you wouldn't,
0: you've got to give it out.
1: You wouldn't, you wouldn't dish it to your dog, mate. I'm telling you. Um, that's how I feel for the boys now, and I speak to them because I want to tell because since I've been out, you know, I stopped eating meat, stopped eating dairy, you know, so like. When I look back to the stuff we stayed in there, I'm just like, whoa, bro, fuck that. Well, if you didn't have your cookups, it would have been... Yeah, no, exactly, yeah. exactly. Hey, in those early years, man, who was sort of the hard guys that you had come across, man? Um, you know, working in Scarb North, Scarb South, so that is sort of known as the Bronx part of uh, Port Phillip. You know, that's pretty much the lead-up to, you know, Charlotte and Borrowdale and, you know, sort of the, um, the management units. So who were some of the old school dudes you had come across, can you say? The guy who sticks in my head the most is Mark Smith. Just because the other crooks
0: all went out of their way to talk to him, you know, um, and every single one of them, would tell me how hard he was in Pentridge and it was lucky I built up a good bond with him where if Mark ever did anything, they'd call me to go and talk to him because... When I worked in the gym, we gave Mark an open contract to come whenever he wanted just to keep him calm. There was um, Slav perser who was obviously, you know, a European guy, but he carved a big Z in the door of his cell. And when he cleaned his cell, like in Scarb North, they used to all sit underneath the top tier, and he'd just sweep his cell out on top of all the other crooks. Mm. And no one would challenge him, like, you yeah. know, and... To do that shit in jail, you've got to be a hard man. But yep. you know whether he get away with it now, with all the you know the different uh, gangs and that, I, I doubt yeah. it.
1: But yeah, yeah, in those It'll days a, it was
0: sort of one out. But
1: yeah, yeah, so yeah, it has changed a little bit nowadays. So yeah, the gang culture is a bit more. Yeah, you um, wouldn't it? Yeah.
0: Guys like Danny Heaney, John McKinley, Shane Miller, Jamie Whelan. Uh, Jamie Whelan was someone who had a lot of balls. He died in jail, which was, you know, sad because when you got to know him, he was, a, you know, a, what, what could you say? Just a fair income guy. Like, he was mm. what he was. Hard yeah. man.
1: Stand up bloke. So what about some of the hectic sort of stuff that you would have seen, man, over your time in, uh, in prison, man? So it would have been, you know, one or two murders, you know, at Port Phillip. Um...
0: And he got stabbed to death in Scarborough North over what he'd done to get put in jail. You know, they'd um, uh, shot a market gardener who in those days was all hooked up, you know, with the Melbourne mafia. And again, allegedly a contract was put on him and a guy took it up and stabbed him to death in the unit. Uh, that that was bad because I, I actually liked the guy. Mm. You know, like um, for those days... I always found him funny. He'd always have a funny thing to say to you. So that, And that was the first murder I'd ever seen. So that was a hard one. You remember that. Um, after that, I suppose when I got my throat cut, the guy had come up to me and said he was going to hurt someone or hurt himself, which meant you take him up to the psych nurse. So I got permission to take him up. I took him up. At the end of it, he wasn't happy because the psych nurse wouldn't keep him in the in the mental ward, St. Paul's, you know, like, um, and he said on his way out, just watch what I'll do, you know, and um, he warned the psych, the psych said, just take him back. Uh, We took him back. Then within 20 minutes, I felt someone grab me from behind and he had the old toothbrush with the razor blade melted in it and just slipped my throat from there across. I'm pretty good, you know, And, and with the white shirts, the blood, shows up bad. So um, from what I found out later, it was premeditated. The guys wanted one of the screws to be got, and he just got me. Um, But what happened after that, all I did was I stayed there to try and lock them down, which they wouldn't. They were out till about 11 o'clock, 11.30, because they'd all armed up. A few of them locked down, but most of them didn't. Uh, they, they barricaded the stairs because the crook who did it. Was up there, and I was trying to get up there. He was standing with a bloke called Stephen Asling, who was in in the gun in the gangland war, wars. Like he got charged with shooting Graham McInerney. Whether he did it or not, again I don't know. But I had a bit of a history with Steve because uh, after that he was one of the guys I boxed with in Charlotte. Um, you know, years down the track, and uh, it was funny talking to him about that.
1: Uh, yeah, so I guess moving on. So, um, you mentioned how you were boxing in Charlotte. So again, how uh, me and Paul here met. So, um, so Charlotte is is the slot they call it the slot. Um, long term management. So yeah, basically yeah. you go there for um for fucking up. So that's pretty much the end of the line there. Um, yeah, most people yeah. don't go down there for long though, only a couple of weeks, but if you're if you're while you're down there is bad enough then you'll get put on um, long term and then you'll stay down there for sometimes years you know so um again my time at Port Phillip I spent a lot of time down there going into years and um that was where I met Paul here so Paul actually used to come down on his uh, lunch breaks and um used to hold the pads for us and that. So, you know, a little picture of Charlotte. So you get a, a you know, under two hours out of your cell each day by yourself, uh in a cage, um, or concrete walls, wire mesh on the top, um, you know, uh pigeon shit everywhere. Um, sometimes there's dead pigeons on the top on the grates, and they just leave them there. So um You know, over my time there, I've seen people break down there. Um, People go cuckoo. Um, Man, all sorts of stuff, man. I lost a bro down there. One of the boys died down there, unfortunately. Um, He was bringing in drugs. The balloon burst in his stomach. And um, he tragically passed away down there. And um, he had been there for two years as well. And um, he was only 21 when he died. So the last two years of his life, all he saw was that was that cage, that that um solitary confinement. Oh, you know, so um it's a tough place, that's... man. Again, people lose their minds down there. Um and you know, poor used to come down and um give us a little bit of relief, man, being able to sweat it out even though it was only like 10 minutes, but it meant a lot. You know what I mean? So um I mean what led you to do that, man? To to come down there like that out of your own time and talk
0: well, because I was working in there, you know. And guys talk to you more, like if they're on a single run out, they're not mixing with anyone. You, you talk more, you know, like um, you'd find out about what, what they've done, you know, you'd see them locked up in a yard, you know, for an hour or two hours now, I think it is. But And it's just shit. And you just think if there was something I could do, and instead of just saying, I thought I, I should do something. So I got permission and I said, look, I don't mind coming down, holding pads you know, putting them through exercise programs. And, you know, they okayed it. Um, So we did it. And it, and it went from there. You know, I started coming in on my days off. And mm. people would say, why would you do it? I said, I enjoy it. Like, you go in and you, for a start, you're talking to the guys on their level. You know, I'd be locked in the yard. And because I'm helping them, they'd talk to me more. And it, it makes the job easier.
1: God, what well, you did in Charlotte there was appreciated man like um you know for me like i said you know i didn't uh, have the best uh views of prison officers but you know Paul here you know like um I used to call you Paul you know so that's saying a lot you know like um in, in Melbourne you know you usually call him boss or whatever which means bag of soggy shit so it's an insult but you know I used to call you by your first name because yeah you know just for doing things like that. Don't get me no, wrong there is always that line though you know but yeah, yeah so he touched on it before, sort of that um, prisoner-inmate relationship. So, um, you know, obviously me, I've moved on from all of that stuff. But back then, you know, um, you know when I was in prison and things, um, you know, he touched on it about um, how, you know, sort of uh, talking with inmates and things can be difficult. Um, you know, I must admit myself, you know, when I was in there with the boys and that, like we would, because everyone's always watching in there. You know, so um, if we were in the unit and um, you know, we would see things like maybe another inmate talking to the officers for too long. Um, I mean, a lot of the times it won't end good for him. You know what I mean? Like um, as soon as he gets back to his cell, we'll be waiting for him. You know to ask him what the hell he's doing. You know, if I'm like this is you know obviously this for me this is a past life. You know, but in there that's is how it was. So I mean um. Like how was that though? You know what I mean. Say for you, you know. So like, um, you know, with um, you know, was that tough? You know, knowing that, um, you know, sort of that prisoner inmate sort of thing. If you see the inmates doing it tough, and you know, was that sort of hard knowing that there is that line and
0: Yeah, yeah, it was like because honestly, David, and a lot of guys who come in are scared stiff. You know, if they don't know anyone and they go in. And you are the only ones that they can talk to and, and people have to talk. Yeah. So yet, you know, if you were, if you were smart enough to understand the guys can't talk to you. So it's hard telling them to go away and you can't go to his cell later. Cause that's a, that's a red flag. Like, you know, so you'd end up just saying like, look, mate, for your own safety, just go away. Don't, don't, don't come here. And you'd see them and, you know, then they'd go back to sit in their cell or, and you you'd honestly, you feel like, you know, you're the biggest cunt in the world for doing that. Like, But you knew that, because I'd seen it, you know, like um, in the early days in Scarborough, we used to find guys, you'd actually see the imprint of shoes on their head, you know, they'd be stomped. And I, I remember this one uh, guy who was a builder come in, he'd made a blue just once in his life, like he'd gone through one of those drive-through hardwares and he decided that it would be an easy place to break in, he'd get all his stuff. And anyway, he was a big guy, you know, big solid guy. He came in, he had attitude. And you know, he was trying to bring his his stuff in. And we said to him, Don't bring that in here, you won't keep it. He said, Fuck that, I can, I can look after myself. You know, we tried to tell him, I said, mate, they don't they don't fight fair here. You know, jail's jail. It's not, you're not gonna stand there and and punch on it. That's not how it works. And. Anyway, that night we found him, um, you know, he'd been absolutely battered. He was the one I found shoe on his head. I shouldn't laugh, but you could actually see the size 12 stomped on his head. And, you know, um, but the the funniest thing about that was he learned and he actually said to me, he said, I'll never fucking come back to jail. You know, so Mm. even though it was awful, he learned a good lesson, but you know, that's so easily can turn into like death.
1: Like this is, you know, the harsh realities of, um, of prison, you know, cause, um, it isn't fair in there, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, like, uh, when I was in prison there again, you know, um, a lot of the times, you know, it would be me and the gang, you know, would be standing in there, um, you know, watching the newbies come in and, um, yeah uh, it isn't always like this as you know you know port Phillip. you know people get moved around if they see that a gang's getting too strong or whatever but a lot of the time you know if we would wait on the tier and wait for new guys to come in and um like if you walked in and you didn't know anyone you know what i mean like fair enough if you knew someone in the unit then you'll be all right but if you walked in and you didn't know anyone Man, pretty much everything that you've just walked in with, you won't be leaving with, you know what I mean. Um, it's just as simple as that, and it isn't fair, you know what I mean. Even though I was a part of all of that, I look back on it now, and it isn't fair, you know, because it doesn't matter how tough you are, just like you said, you know, it, you can't go against the unit, you know what I mean. So, it is, no, uh, yeah, people
0: have no idea about how savage it is in there, David. Yeah. yeah, you know, like I'd, I've had a a knock about life like but honestly it opened my eyes you know the the way guys are going and just keep someone's head in and just die you know like it was just savage like right? um but then you know you you're fighting to survive in there
1: mm. so
0: you're either up the top of the tree you're the bottom of the tree there's no one in the middle yeah you know like no. and i think that's what causes the gangs now you know mm. um because years ago, like a long time ago, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, you only had white guys, Asians, and the Curry guys, and that was it. Mm. You know, Then slowly over the years, the Middle Eastern guys, the Islanders, uh, the last five or six years, the, the African guys mm. you know, have come in in, you know, and in numbers, and that just causes people to band together you know, because you, yeah. you obviously bond with your your own people more. And um, I, I don't know where it ends, you know, I, I don't, you know, because you with the motorcycle clubs and I know at Port Phillip, you know, we had the different clubs in all different areas all locked off from each other. But that's a band-aid, you know, you, you can't keep them apart. And if they want to get each other, they're going to, like in the gym, they had a big, Blue between the Comancheros and the
1: banditos. Yeah, you would have seen a few you know, balls the, down there at the gym. The, oh.
0: the worst thing in the gym is you had push-up bars, you had things that could be used as weapons, and yeah. You know, was, it was amazing to me that nobody got hurt in that one.
1: Yeah, yep, but, exactly. Um, you know, so the gym is basically one of the only chances at Port Phillip uh, for people to meet up and things. Um Because, yeah, like I said, you know, Port Phillip, it is quite uh, fenced off in that, you know, not everyone can just mix together. So the gym is one of the hot spots if you're allowed to get down to the gym because most of the time it was closed off, you know, because of fights and uh, things like that. Um, But what about like, uh, you know, um, self-harm, suicide? You know, you would have come across a fair bit of that.
0: It's always hard, David, you know, like, and some guys are so measured in what they do. In one of the units, a guy had slashed up, but he'd set up little buckets so that the blood didn't go anywhere, but in the buckets. And, you know, in your head, you're thinking, I I can't get how much thought he must have put into that to be able to, you know, think about not making a mess. And you just... And then other guys, there was one in, in Charlotte down the spine. He tied plastic bags around his head so hard that he'd sucked the bags right down his throat. And you just think, how determined was he to die? Because, you know, you could have ripped them off, but he didn't. You know, and they when they got him out in the morning, they had to pull the plastic bags out from down his throat, you know. And you just think that's, you know, that's where the system has made a mistake, because obviously that guy shouldn't have been there if he was in that way. Yeah. Because you know, you see a lot of guys try to do it, but then they bail out at the end. But these guys had done it in such a way and you think, God, how sad they must have been to do that. And yeah. you know, but um when they closed all the mental institutions, you know, for the uh the intellectually disabled guys, that was shocking too. Because we had guys and you would have seen them, you know, they were locked up in Marlborough, but if they if they were too out of control, they'd come to Charlotte, and these guys had the intellect of a six-year-old, and you, you can't punish them, you know. Like punishment only works if you know you're being punished. Uh, and we had guys down there that were really only little kids, you know, big, big and guys, but you know the mentality of a little kid. Like they needed to be with with psychologists and nurses, not with we're not with screws and locked up and
1: yeah, you know, because the worst those... thing down
0: the spine is how the other guys burn everyone who comes down. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you're burning a guy and then they, you know, they kill themselves. It's, it's when you know, you know, like punishment only works if you know what you've been punished for. But
1: uh, So again, um, like I said, so that's back in Charlotte there. So when you first get to Charlotte, you go down the um, EPA, it's called. So you go down the spine there. And um, it's, you get loss of privileges for twenty eight days, and um, it's loud down there. You know what I mean. Yeah. So um, again, when I was there, you know what I mean. Like um, we used to stay up for days, just um, yelling and banging, and like now when I look back, it's like another life. You know what I mean. But if I'm honest, you know what I mean. Like when I was down there, you know, me and the boys, we would just bang like animals, screaming, just. For days, you know, just um, because that's what happens when they when they treat you like an animal, you end up becoming one. You know what I mean? So oh, we just exactly. used to bang yeah. on the uh the doors, and no one would be allowed to, no one would be able to sleep, and people would break, people would start um slashing up and things like that. Um, like you said, a lot of mentally unwell people down there and um yeah the system
0: makes them worse that's the the worst thing
1: makes them worse yeah so it's um like the spine was a lot of a lot of prisoners were scared to go down there you know what I mean because of you know we were just we were just crazy down there man during that time in in my life you know so what about like um you know, during your time at Port Phillip, um, you know, with like sort of corruption type things, um, you know, all sorts of corruption, I guess, you know, within G4S and um, you know, prisoner mistreatment, things like that.
0: Officers are human, you know, and um uh they have the same vices as as anyone. So they need money, you know, and money's the root of all evil, you know. Um they bring in stuff, but what they, you know, you taught this and they, they should have been smarter. You taught at the very start that don't bring in stuff for prisoners because once you do it once, you're fucked. You'll have to do it again and again. And people still do it, you know. Um, it's an ongoing thing, you know, and it just comes back to It's just sheer people wanting stuff, that, you know, that are beyond their means and they just see a way to do it and they they make a bad choice like i don't i don't judge people on it because you have got to be in their shoes to understand why they did it it's yeah. the same as the female officers that uh you know step over the line with the male prisoners i don't judge them on it because it's a you're human but mm-hmm. the one thing they should all do is the minute they cross that line is they should leave that job you know because if you're fair dink about having a relationship with a prisoner, well, leave the job and make it, you know, where it's not all behind, because you are going to get caught, you know, and it, it damage, you know, just damages people. But, you know, like I said, everyone's human, so this shit happens. But it was funny, um, one guy, when I first started, he always used to say to me, I'll do anything for the officers, nothing for the crooks. And um, he ended up in jail because he was selling guns and shit on the outside. But you think, I wonder if he changed his attitude when he went to jail. I think I bet he did. We had one. And again, I won't go into any names, but he got taken away from the jail in handcuffs because as it turned out, he was um, having sex with his daughters, you know, like raping on them. And he was one who hated the prisoners, like would go out of his way to make everyone's life miserable and you know, you just, you know, he to me, he deserves everything he gets in jail. Like,
1: yeah.
0: you know, I've got no time uh, for people who do that sort of stuff, you know, to to any young kid, like, let alone your daughter. Like,
1: yeah, no, that's you want to future. play up with
0: little kids.
1: Yeah, no, that's pure
0: And that's where it's hard for the prisoners, you know, you get,
1: yeah.
0: you see them, you know. I know when we got the guy who threw his kids off the Westgate. Um, the other guy who drove into the dam with his kids. And, and every, every time they go through, you know, um, the main part of the prison, they get baked and burnt. But to me, there's not enough you can do to them. Like,
1: yeah.
0: And the jail protects them, which they have to. You know, you've got to understand that. If it's your job, it's your job. Like, I'm 100%. If that's your job, you've got to make sure nothing happens to them. But it goes against every part of your body. And that was why I didn't work the protection units just because of, you know, I don't think I could have dealt all day with some of the sickos in there.
1: So I'm even like with the private, privatizations of the prison. So, um, you know, Port Phillip isn't actually owned by, um, you know, so a lot of people actually don't realize the big dollars that are involved in the whole prison industry. You know what I mean? Like um, there's a lot of money to be made in housing prisons, housing prisoners, transporting prisoners. You've got the whole industries, you know, so G4S who owns Port Phillip, they make a lot of dollars, you know, so they actually profit from people going to jail, you know, so, um, you know. It's one it- of the
0: industries that should never be private, David, because when you're a private company, you answer to your shareholders. You know, they set up a private company to make money. They do the best they can with what they've got, but they've also got to spend the money so the shareholders get the money. It should be run by the government, you know, like because that way you can honestly bring up things and money should never be the, the most important thing. But if you're running a private business, you want to make money. So to me, it, it should always be done by the government. You know, it should be controlled by the government. A good friend of mine was sacked, because the guy was, uh, they were sending him out on escorts with didn't have a gun licence. No-one from management got sacked, and yet they'd given him the gun, and they sacked my mate because he went with him. You know anything? The thing that ate at me, and I was lucky enough to have a big meeting with the big boss of G4S, and I told him that. I said, that, that was just shocking because you, you're sacking the shit kickers, but you leave management alone. Now, if you're managing a jail... How can you send someone out with a gun who hasn't got a gun license? yeah, and yet yep. they sacked anyone who'd gone out with him, no yep. none of the soups, none of the managers got sacked. just yep. you know the, you see stuff like that, and you just think that's people just trying to cover their ass
1: All oh, right, so um, yeah, so 20 years, man, 20 long years there at Port Phillip also huh? so what why the why would you end up leaving man, and what did you sort of uh, end up doing with yourself? Sorry, the dogs are swarming. <laughs> no, all good, all good. Yeah, 20 years. Um So why'd you end up leaving?
0: But I'll tell you honestly, Dave, I met so many good people like both sides. Um yeah. you know, like I feel like towards the end of my time there I was probably seeing too much of being on the prisoner side, which you should never be. You yeah. know, you've got to be fair in everything you do. But that that's sort of when you know you, you need to get out. So yeah. um I got out, uh, started a business. I didn't. I bought an existing business. Then we got smashed with COVID. Like I was selling boxing gear and um, martial arts gear, and it would have been a really good life. But um, everybody I know in that line of work now is struggling, you know, because all the gyms are virtually not open over here. I, I believe everybody should work in a prison at some stage, just to open your eyes to one the conditions. Two, you get to see, you know, things. And then you can honestly comment on whether prison's the right solution. Mm. You know, yeah. for a lot of people, it's not. Because, as you know, prison is where you meet um, all the other guys. And for the young guys coming in, I honestly think it, it actually teaches you how to be a, you know, a criminal more than, you know, the rehabilitation, I don't believe in, but because I think guys turn it about when they can.
1: Yeah. But, exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, I'm a big believer in that. You know, there's pretty much no rehabilitation in prison. It's pretty much um, just you yourself, you know, when you just hit that point of realization. But it's just unfortunate, as you know, you know, you got guys in their 60s in jail, man, still <laughs> acting like teenagers, you know?
0: Yeah. But, um, you know, it's all fake. Like, I think if you went into guy's cells when they're locked up on their own, you, you'd see a lot more of how they actually feel. Like They're losing so much, you know. The old guys um, used to say to me, you know, they don't do the prison their families do. You know, they're used to it. Goes back to that guy, Mark Smith. He used to tell me, you know, prison's nothing. You know, it's our families that suffer and that's where it's, that's where you need to look at it. You know, you're taking fathers away from their children and their wives. We need to have a good look at it and change it. There's a lot of things that need to change.
1: Yeah, no, a hundred percent, man, a hundred percent. You know, even though, you know, yeah, it is the families that pay in the end, but um but, you know, with prison, you know, it's like you got to put that mask on, you know what I mean? And in prison, you become really good at it to be able to hide the pain and say that it's nothing and all of that. You know, I was I used to do that myself. But after being released, you know, it was a struggle, you know, to um, adjust to life again. You know, had a lot of uh, mental scars from my time in prison that I was hiding. You know, so it's just um, a lot. And then, you know, when criminals do get out, then the community suffers, you know what I mean? So it's just the only people really that win in the end are people that make money off of it, you know, which is, um, it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but yeah.
0: It's hard. you see guys on the phone, you know, they're trying to phone their missus and she's not home. And, you know, they always think the worst. So then they have to go back to their cell and they've got to sit there until, you know, another 24 hours because before they need get another call. Um, missing, you know, they might get locked up and their wife is pregnant and they miss that, you know. It's, you know, missing uh, funerals, like just stuff like that. It's, you know, it's it's just oh, I I couldn't even understand it, you know, and I did it for 20 years, but but again, I just think they need to be vetted better. And as soon as they can be an asset to the community, give them a chance. That's all I'd say is give them a chance.
1: All right, Paul, I think we're gonna wrap it up there, man. But um Man, it was good catching up again, man. It's been a couple of years since I've been out. It's been over two years now, so it's been good to see you again, man. Um, no, I was,
0: when I saw your podcast, David, I thought you know, that's just fantastic, you know, that you've picked yourself up, got yourself in that position. You could have easily just given up, you know, when you got deported because that's a huge um, you know, uh, kick to you, but you know, it's just credit to you that you've manned up and you know you're doing what you're doing now I just wish you all the best I hope this kicks off and you really make a good life and a living out of it
1: yeah no thanks for man I appreciate that man don't get me wrong I've been to hell and back (laughs) but um I've come out the other side man for sure um wishing you all the best man and um we'll talk soon anyway huh
0: thanks Dave I'll stay in touch